A coven of extreme man-hating feminist lesbians and giant alien bugs? I don't know what else to say except we watched Silent Night, Deadly Night 4. We watched it so you don't have to. So you know what time it is. What's up, Moon Goons? Welcome to the Horrible Horror Podcast, the podcast where we watch the worst of the worst in horror movies. Movies so bad they're scary. I'm your host, Mr. Marshall Hampton. With me, as always, is my buddy, my co-host, Mr. Aaron Southworth. Aaron, how are you doing? Uh, the two days after Christmas now, I guess it is. I forget. Oh, exactly. Holy shit. This is the worst Christmas ever. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate Christmas. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm okay, man. You know, um... My, my Christmas is, was pretty good as far as gifts being received. That was fun. Um, I didn't get a chance to see my family or friends, but I did get uh, a pretty sweet pair of pants. All right. Well, that's always nice. Sweet pants are good. Sweet pants are really good. Uh, yeah. yeah I, I kind of second your thoughts on that. Like Christmas was kind of a bummer this year. I didn't, you know, we didn't really see much of anybody or do anything. Um Yeah. I mean, personally, I mean, you know, my kid, she loved it. She got you know, like all kids do, she made out like a bandit and uh, had a great time. But I was otherwise, it's kind of like, eh, and just let's just get this shit over with and move on to next year, basically. Yeah, um, it was just a bummer, you know. I mean, we decorated, we did all this stuff, and it's our baby's first Christmas, so it's supposed to be, you know, you're supposed to like take time off with the baby. Like, you go to a party, you throw your baby into your aunt's arms, and you just walk away as they <laughs> pass it around and do stuff. <laughs> I didn't get that luxury at all. So, yeah, I, I understand your your plight there. Uh, yeah, but uh, what was what was your uh, number one gift? Uh, eh, I don't really. Want, I don't know. I don't really want to talk about the stuff I get. Um, it's always a downer most of the time. Um, well, I'm talking about the number one gift. Ah. Uh, like okay. One, okay. One no. Okay. I, I can't believe, you okay. Like. You're right. Totally right. I. I. Uh, I can't believe I didn't even. The coolest thing. Okay. Definitely by far the coolest thing. I. I, I should have not even said it was a bad. Bad thing because this is actually really awesome. And I should have let off of this right from the get go. But um, so my parents got me. Um, I should say I should be I guess I should be introducing myself now in a different, with a different title because I am now nobility in Scotland, if you will. I am now a lard, lard, Marshall Hampton. I am a landowner in Scotland with a title that goes with it um, and a tartan. And so I, I can officially change my name to lard and have it put on my passport and all my legal documents. So all you peasants out there now, well, uh, I will be collecting your taxes and your dowries for uh, your servitude in my... You bought that square foot of land in Scotland, didn't you? <laughs> It's like a square foot, like a patch of moss, where you can technically say you're a lard ass. And <laughs> you're goddamn right. 
But it doesn't. It, I don't care how much land it is. I'm a lard. <laughs> You know, I it's funny. Officially I recognized for you. by the court. I thought about getting and, that for you. Uh, you know, law system of Scotland. It is official. So that's cool. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that, that's fun. That's cool. Um. So yeah, I guess that's the that's one of the highlights right there. Yeah. Uh. So I got a. I got a. Uh, like a little device you put on your shoulders that i can put everly on and like you know weight distribution so i don't have to strap her in and like walk around the house do chores or go for a walk or run around around my shoulders so that's pretty cool really happy about that all right that's nice the anything that because the man i remember when 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 livy was young that age and had put in those like those like little baby backpacks you just strap them in you you carry around on your back like yoda like loose guy carry around yoda or something like that man I can only wear that for so long for like, I'm just like, it, it wears you down fast. It, it that extra weight, it, uh, did me well, a number of times. I think it's better than carrying her all the time, you know, but like if I ever evenly distributed it on my shoulders, my whole body's carrying it. It's not like just my back or my, you know, abs. It's my whole body. It's like up on my shoulders, you know? Yeah. So it's That's pretty nice. Cool. I wish I had that one. Something like that for Libby. Um, anyway, uh, Let's get back to uh, the task game. Before we start, there's a few things I want to uh, mention uh, that I've gotten some or sent some information on. I thought it was kind of cool to pass on to the listeners. Um, first thing uh, I want to talk about is apparently I got an email. I guess maybe it's my own fault that maybe we're letting the fans down and that our show apparently has strayed from its path, if you will. Um we're not, apparently we're not doing shitty enough movies for the listeners. And I got emails from a, a longtime listener and supporter, Mr. Jeff Bosniak saying that, uh, our movies are not shitty enough lately that they have been too decent to good. And that we need to get back to our roots with the crap of the crap. And he threw in another movie suggestion for us to, to help us along to find our footing again, if you will, uh, which I'll look it. that up and, and check it out later. But I found that kind of funny, and it made me think, like, you're kind of right. Like, in the last three weeks, the movies have been pretty decent and fun. Uh, at least three weeks. Because maybe. it's the most wonderful time of the year. It's Christmas, goddammit. Yeah, I thought about that. And, you know, that's what that was my thing, too. It was like, well, it is Christmas time, and we're trying you know, to do, we you know, we're doing the Christmas that movies. Fucking but... Legend of Stink Mouth. Goddamn, that was horrible. <laughs> I know, but we have an apocalypse. We're straying from our roots. We're watching some shit, man. I challenge you to do this every goddamn week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I see the point. And the apocalypse was good. Ugly sweater party watch along was good. And Secret Santa, like I thought was going to be the shit, but turned out to be surprisingly good and fun. So, yeah, we've had a streak here. Now, uh, we'll see what happens with this week's episode. Uh, before we get to that, like, the last thing I want to mention is, uh, if you guys are not aware of it, um, I got an email about this um, from the from the producers and the directors. But there's a fan film called Halloween Inferno um, that you can find on YouTube. Uh, and it seems to be having a pretty good success. From what I said, it's got like 700,000 views already or something like that. Um, I have not had a chance to watch it yet, but I really I'm, I plan on to because it sounds interesting. Uh, it's a three-part series right now, that, and you can watch all like all three of them together. Uh, part one 
uh, picks up right after the events of Halloween 2018 with Michael Myers escaping Laurie Strode's basement. Uh, and then part dude? two is a flashback. It goes back to 1978 and it follows... Uh, like basically Michael Myers getting caught after his original murder spree uh, on Halloween night. Now, I don't know if it includes the events of Halloween two in this episode or not, or if it's, if it's strictly just one, but it goes back to there. And then part three goes back and picks up where part one left off uh, with Michael like, going out, like heading to like the police station or going off, you know, I don't know, uh, something like that. Uh, so it sounds kind of interesting. Like, and it, I'm hope it'd be kind of good. Cause like, I know we had uh, the fan films never hike, Alone, Never Hiking in Snow are really good uh, and really great and, and uh, led, you know, just were awesome. So I'm hoping maybe this is a kind of in, in that same boat, same quality. Uh, so I, I encourage you guys to check it out if you haven't already. And if you do check it out and you do like it, uh, the group that made it is working on their full-length movie, original movie called The Burned Over. Um, they're in production right now. And if you like uh, what they're doing, you can actually donate and help on their Indiegogo site for, you know, various level of perks and, and goodies and all that stuff. If you like their fan film and want to support them more, I just thought it'd be kind of cool to get out there and if you guys have seen it or not and send it your way. With that said, let's close out our Christmas holiday season. Let's close out the year with uh, our silent night, deadly night four initiation. Oh, fuck me. Uh, this movie uh, obviously, is the fourth in the series that we've done now. Um, this one was released on November 21st of 1990. Uh, you, right now, you can only find it on Tubi. It's the only place I've been able to find it online for, uh, streaming. But at least it's free if you want to sit through some ads, but you can watch it. Uh, it's written by Richard N. Gladstein, Ar Arthur Gorson, Woody Keith, S.J. Smith, and Brian Usna. So right there is a bad sign when you have that many writers. Shit gets kind of really hey. messed up and there's normally a bad sign going on. Uh, directed also by Brian Usna. Now, horror fans, I, I think your diehard horror fans and, and would probably recognize that name. If you don't know the name, you'll definitely know his work because he's got a lot of horror movies under his belt and some pretty famous ones of that. Starting off with um, Society, that wacky, crazy-ass fucking movie, uh, he directed that along with Bride of Reanimator, Return of the Living Dead 3, Necronomicon, The Book of the Dead, The Dentist 1 and 2, Beyond Reanimator, Amphibious Creatures from the Deep, which sounds like a humanoid from the deep ripoff. <laughs> Those are his other, yeah. horror, other horror movies that uh, he's he's directed. So certainly not an amateur or, or, or you know, uh, this is earlier in his career, but still he's got a lot of horror under his belt. Whether he's not... He's not a one and done kind of guy. Right. And he's, I mean, in society, the reanimator series, Return of the Living Dead, those are all pretty well known series in the horror world. And so, yeah, he's worked on some um, bigger stuff like that. Uh, the cast, right off the bat, the first person we got to mention is our lead character, Ricky, or not lead character, but character Ricky is played by Clint Howard himself, who we last saw in Ice Cream Man. Everybody knows who he is, but uh, he's in here as Ricky. We also have other horror. Alumni, uh, Reggie Bannister from the Phantasm series. He plays Eli. Uh, although they really kind of, I don't even know why he's even in this movie. It, it, they, other than just, hey, let's just get Reggie Bannister like, at the time. But otherwise, he could have been, this role could have been played by anybody. It wouldn't have fucking mattered. And he really doesn't have any part in this movie at all. Um, I'm trying to place where he is. He's the newspaper editor in chief. Oh my God, you're right. Yeah. He, it just, 
they, they have like a bald cap on him and gray hair. So it's. Yeah, I wasn't sure if that was a bald cap or he just went was going bald. Yeah, he time. is bald. You're right. He is, but it was the gray hair, and he's like wearing like a paint, like a pale blue shirt. So I just, I'm just like, that wasn't. He's, he's so average looking. Like, yeah, you wouldn't even like, unless you knew it was him. Like, you wouldn't think anything of this guy. Um, also, the writer, one of the writers, Richard Gladstein, makes an appearance in the movie as Woody. I don't know who the fuck that character is. Probably just some random dude who works at the. Like a newspaper as well. It doesn't matter, but he's in it as a cameo. Um, the other person, the last two people mentioned, uh, Catherine. Catherine is played by uh, Jeanne, uh, Je- I'm sorry, Jeannie Bates. Uh, this girl, this woman, I should say, has 152 credits for her name. So she's been around a long time. She played Irene in Mulholland Drive, which was a critical master. Lo- oh, yeah. Love, Matt, love that movie. She was also in Die Hard 2. Uh, she was in Wonder Woman, the TV show, and she was Mrs. X in David Lynch's Eraserhead movie, which is a lot of people know that one. And she was just on tons and tons of TV shows throughout the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Uh, and the last person I'll mention, probably, again, for movie buffs, the most famous person, I guess, uh, are, is FEMA, played by Maude Adams. Now, again, if you don't know the name, you'll that, that's okay, because she was in Rollerball with James Caan. So she worked with some big actors. She was also in two James Bond movies. She was Andrea Anders in The Man with the Golden Gun. And if you don't know her next day, don't know her name, you'll definitely know her from her character because she's probably the most famous character in all the Bond movies next to James Bond. She was the famous Octopussy in Octopussy. So Octopussy's in this movie. Uh, well, other than that, that's really all we're going to... I'm not going to talk about anybody else. And uh, we're just going to get right you didn't, into you didn't unwrapping hear me, did you? Silent Night, Deadly Night. Four. Uh, Can so, hear me? What? I said that she have eight pussies. Whoa! Oh. <laughs> we're having some technical difficulties, or Marshall's ears are broken. Yeah, we're doing again. We're still doing this remotely, and for some reason, I know in the recording you're hearing him fine because we've tested it. But on my end, I can barely hear Aaron at all. So I apologize if there's a bunch of like, what's what are you saying because I can't hear him, but I know you guys listening can. So that's all that matters. Um, so the movie, we open with like this shot of like some four, five story building some in the city. On the roof of it is a giant Christmas tree just made from strings of lights. So it's not a real tree, it's just, you know, outlined in lights. Uh, we snap to homeless Clint Howard pushing his shopping cart that is also decorated with garland down the sidewalk. He stops to pick up the, this discarded burger he finds on the street. He sees that it's covered in maggots. But hey, don't stop, that don't stop because he scarfs it right down anyway and devours it. And then he hears a woman screaming, fuck you, like, no, no, no. And he looks up and sees this woman standing on the edge of the rooftop of the building with the Christmas tree you just saw. And the lady continues to scream. And then she just like literally just spontaneously can burst into flames. She just can, spontaneously can burst into flames. And she jumps off the roof. Plummets to the sidewalk below, dying on impact. Uh, with, but there's some really odd things about this body and the continuity here. Because we see the body falling. It's completely engulfed, head to toe in flames. But uh, when the body hits the ground, only the lower half of her is on fire still. Which doesn't make any sense. Like I said, we just saw the whole body on flames. Um, and then... Clint Howard approaches the flaming dead body and we see, and then there's more odd things. Like the lower half of her body 
one looks like it's half of it's just gone. Like her legs aren't even there anymore. It just like blackened soot marks on the sidewalk in the shape of legs. Like her, there's like no legs there. Or there's flat, like the bones just completely vanish or something. It's just flabby skin. It's really odd. And then the lower half of her torso is like, looks like it's being like cracked open, like an eggshell and it's just black inside. Like it's a really weird looking thing. I don't know if what, if it means anything or just bad effects, but it just looks odd and really weird and confusing okay. to me. Okay, um, I've got, I've got, I've got a, I've got a theory here. Okay, what's that? The reason she was wearing a mohair sweater when she first went up, and if you light a mohair sweater, like the outside little, little fuzzies will burn off, but then you'll, it'll just go out, you know, <laughs> like you do with a sock. You know, have you ever lit your sock on and just like a flame goes around it? No, I've never set my socks on fire. No. Oh no! It's like whenever you have a whole bunch of fuzzies on your sock and you light a light a lighter on it, it just kind of like does a quick little burn of the fuzzies, but the sock itself is fine. So that explains her her uh, top half, and her bottom half. She had a raging case of uh, gonorrhea causing the flames, but <laughs> that's the, the chemical that she was using to treat said gonorrhea caused such a like combustible atmosphere and environment that it was just right. Uh, so it just it just completely melted her lower half. Uh, it's pretty easy to explain away, Marshall. <laughs> of course. How stupid of me to not pick that up on that. I'm sorry. That's my fault, guys. I apologize. So Get with it. <laughs> so anyway, uh, police sirens are heard. Uh, and Clint Howard, he skedaddles down the, alley, uh, down the alleyway. Uh, we roll now. We roll some really odd and weird opening credits, like the graphics they chose for this and the letter. It's really weird. And it's almost almost psychedelic in a way, sort of. It's really, I don't know. It's just weird. Uh, lots it's of kind spirals of, um, and like weird letters. <laughs> so after the crash, we go to the bedroom of our main girl. Just where we meet our main character Kim, who is in the middle of fucking her boyfriend Hank. These two are going going at it. Plenty of ass and boobs are seen here. Uh, in the background is a TV news reporter reporting on the incident that we just saw, uh, and they're calling it a suicide at this point. Is that the way you make love? Because uh, you're saying they're going at it. It just looks like they're wrestling. It almost <laughs> looks like they're just like, they're play having sex. You know, like they're just like, whoa. All right. it, look, it, it, it looks awkward how awkward they are together. Yeah, I, I'll give you that. I, I Yes, I Yes, you're right. It is it's very awkward. But in, in theory, they're supposed to be going at it. But yes, it does look very awkward. Uh, Aaron is right on that one, 100%. Um, basically, not wanting Kim to be distracted by news report, Hank turns the channel to porn. So he switches the channel and porn comes on. So proper move there, I guess. Like, that a boy. I, really? Um, we cut to the two of them now. They're walking back to work together from their little afternoon delight session. And basically, we learned that both of them work for the same newspaper called the LAI. Uh, I have to say Hank, that I believe, uh, is just a photographer, guys... while Kim is an aspiring reporter, but is stuck working like the crappy classifieds and the calendar session section. I have to say that the guy's uh, choice of outfit is pretty bold. Thank you. I, that's my very next comment. As we have to talk about his his fucking outfit because it's insane. For slacks. When... He's got slacks on. With a turtleneck and a leather jacket on top of the turtleneck, pretty bold choice. Yeah, I my thing is like, yeah, it, it's like this. And he wears like the, yeah, the black turtleneck, the black slacks, and a black leather like biker jacket. 
Uh, but his, his his hair is like very well maintained and feathery. It's styled. So, I mean, he looks like that corporate account who plays biker on the weekend or he's just trying yeah. too hard. Like, but it, I love, like, it cracked me up. I am so glad you, you mentioned that yourself because I, I was definitely going to do that. Um, so Kim mentions that she wants to do an article on the woman's suicide that was on the news report. Uh, when they get back to the office, she tries to pitch the idea to the editor-in-chief of the paper, like, is Reggie Bannister. But he pretty much, but he and pretty much everyone else in the office just ignores her, blows her off, and they basically treat her like a glorified secretary. Completely ignore her. Yes. Uh, it's very much like uh, how Nancy Wheeler is treated in the last season of Stranger Things at her paper. Nice. Yeah, little Missy, reference. go get us coffee. You women can't do anything. It's very much that mentality. Um, so the newspaper office also has some Christmas decorations up. But really, this is about all the Christmas you're going to get in this movie. <clears throat> Excuse me. It really has absolutely nothing to do with Christmas at all. This whole movie might as well take place in like spring or summer. It would change nothing um, or matter for that matter. It's really pathetic how they even classify this as a Christmas movie um, at all. Uh, there's one other Christmas some later in the movie, but really Christmas has no bearing on this whatsoever. Uh, it's just really sad because this is supposed to be the Silent Night, Deadly Night series. It's a Christmas series. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is Silent Night, Deadly Night. And I know we, we should have probably talked about it at the beginning of the show, but the continuity of Silent Night, Deadly Night 1, 2, and 3 all revolve around the family, the two brothers. Yes. You know, um, Billy and... Ricky. Fuck. Ricky, yeah. So, you know, it, it, it's it's always... And we've always had that continuity, even though number three went a little crazy, but they still had Ricky. This has none of that. It doesn't talk about him. It doesn't mention him. It doesn't even pay, pay credence to them in, in, in unless you count the perverted way later. Uh, it's It's just so disappointing that they don't do anything to tie it in with... One, two, and three. Hundred percent agree. What, like I was so, so disappointed, and angry about this. I was like, okay, let's see where the Ricky trilogy, you know, let's where or the Ricky story goes. Let's, see, and then you get this ball of fucking craziness that is just, it's fucking weird, man. This whole movie is just strange and is like and just insane. But it, it, I was so disappointed. I agree. Like it's really, it really fucks up. The, like it shouldn't be. I, I was gonna say well, was for the for for my thoughts at the end, but I agree. With, yeah, hundred percent. Like it's. It's messed up. Um, so a few of the other workers in the, in, in the office are watching more news footage of the suicide. Uh, again, we see the, bo- the, the body uh, and the legs are, are practically gone from the body. Like there's, dis- there's like no legs on his body anymore. Uh, it's just fucking, I don't know. It's just weird looking. It's just an odd choice. I don't understand why this body has no legs anymore. I, I don't get it. Um, and at this point, from here on out, I, I'm going to be honest. Like we just talked, about, even though it, it just, uh, a very large chunk of this movie uh, can pretty much kind of be skipped over. And I'm so I'm trying to do my best to just give you like a cliff notes rundown of this because there's so much is not happening for long periods of time. I'm going to try to just skim over a lot of this as best I can and, and speed this up. So um, at the office, we also meet the only other woman that seems to work there. Uh, her name's Janice. And she seems to kind of help Kim out uh, going rogue and writing the story herself, even though she was told not to. But she's like, yeah, go do it. You know, I'll cover for you or whatever. Um, so Kim and Janice, they might, you don't really know if they're friends or just work acquaintances or work friends. You don't really know their, what their relationship is outside the office, but they're at least friendly here. And they, they I don't know, 
it's um so Janice gives Kim the address of where the body was found, where you know the building she jumped off of, and we move on. Uh, so Kim, we go. She goes straight there, and instantly she gets stalked by Clint Howard, um, and she talks to this Asian butcher uh, for any leads. And this butcher is such a racist stereotype. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, I I thought he was absolutely fantastic. He did the worst broken English imitate. You can tell this guy speaks English fluently. That's no my problem. point. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's so funny. Because, that's my exactly say. It's so funny because you, the act, you can clearly tell, like Aaron said, the actor can clearly speak fluent, clear, perfect English. But the director's like, hey, I want you to speak in that stereotypical broken Asian speak. And it's fucking terrible the way he does it. So it's, it's hilarious. It's so it racist. It's pretty funny. Like, <laughs> it's pretty funny. I don't get it. Like you have a perfect guy who can speak perfect English, but you telling him to speak in broken. It's so like eighties. Yeah, 90s I just, I just, I just, I, I, I would love to see the director be like, no, chink it up, man. Come yeah. on, you can do this. <laughs> chink it up. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so sorry, but I just saw, I just saw the director saying that. <laughs> I honestly, yeah, it's that's up, man. Uh, I agree with you. So Kim goes anyway. She, she goes into a bookstore next door. Uh, to find books on spontaneous combustion. Uh, inside, she gets poked in the ass by Clint Howard. It's a weird scene. He just kind of reaches up, pokes her in the ass, and I don't know the point. It's weird. It happens. I don't know again. Um, so the store owner kicks out, kicks Clint Howard out and introduces herself to Kim as FEMA. FEMA insists that Kim also <laughs> take this other book called Tradition of the Virgin Goddess. And... At the checkout counter, there's this bowl of what looks like these disgusting-looking snacks that Kim actually eats, uh, and they seriously look like fucking chocolate-covered bug cocoons. They're dates. She's he's she's eating dates. Is that what those are? Yeah. Have you had a date? I've seen. I know what they are, but I, yeah, I, five years ago. But they they didn't. I don't know. They look like fucking chocolate-covered bug cocoons to me. That's what they look so like. So wait, Marshall, are you telling me you haven't had a date in years? Oh, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> uh, so, uh, she, I don't know. She actually eats this disgusting thing. Um, also, I have to mention how fucking weird the interactions between Fima and Kim are. Because remember, Fima and Kim have never met before. And when they do meet, Fima gives Kim a hug. They shake and hold hands for like two minutes. It's incredibly awkward. And then at one point, Fema kisses Kim on the cheek too. And like, this shit is fucking insane. I mean, cause imagine if you walked into like a Barnes and Noble and some counter employee <laughs> did that shit to you. Like just how fucking weird and creepy would that be? Like, I just, I, like, I get in the hell out of that store. Well, I mean, I guess it depends if it's the crunchy hipster dude with a, you know, like Tweedledee mustache or something. Yeah. I might be a little upset, but if it's the hipster chick who likes the bone on the side, Maybe I'd be a little bit more into it. <laughs> Fuck it. God I guess it depends. <laughs> I, yeah, I see your point, but it's it's fucking awkward. Come on, you tell me you didn't think this was a weird ass scene. She's acting like, it's super creepy and un, and unnatural. And Kim just like, yeah, this is fine. Whatever, we'll go with it. Uh, on top of all that, Kim FEMA then invites Kim to some picnic she's having tomorrow. Like I said, she know, they know nothing about each other. And she's like, yeah, come to my picnic and let me kiss you and hug you and hold your hand. And like, it's fucking insane. Like, it just blows my mind that this, like, 
These are people acting like this. I don't. Um, I just recently saw Die Hard, and I think John McClane would say, "Fucking California." That's all you gotta say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess maybe that's probably because this, this does take place in L.A. or something like that. So maybe that's it. Uh, Kim asks FEMA if she can show her to the roof where the women jump from, and FEMA does. She takes her up to the roof. Up on the roof, Kim looks around, finds the spot where the lady jumped. And then there's some kind of like this weird ass reaction to it. Like, I don't know. Like she, she goes to the ledge and stands over like her toes is like hanging over the edge a bit. Her arms all outstretched. Like, you know, she's fucking doing that Titanic King of the world shit. And, and she looks like she's about to jump off the ledge herself. And then all of a sudden she like comes to and I'm really like, Oh shit. What am I doing? And she's like sick to her stomach all of a sudden. It's really weird. It makes zero sense. I, it's confusing. Uh, Clint Howard is also up there on the roof just watching her. Uh, he goes over to like, this large vent tube, like these big round opening vents, um, and pulls out this giant fucking alien-looking bug. Like, seriously, this thing is like a foot and a half long. It's slimy. It's like white-ish. And I don't know what the fuck this thing is supposed to be. It's purely alien at this point. She ho- He holds it up. Like, and like offers it to Kim, like, hey, you want this? And she's like, fuck, and she just rushes away, rightfully so. She's like, ah, I'm getting the fuck out of here, and that's the right thing to do in that situation. It's so weird. So it's weird. So weird and random. You know, you hear the squeaking, and I'm thinking, he's going to pull out a rat. And nope, he pulls out a space maggot, and just kind of like, ugh. Like, and she just kind of looks at him, like, annoyed, and just kind of scatters away. Like, I'd be like, holy shit, what the hell is that thing? You know, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, it's it's so weird because the way the actors do these motions of something, like, I pull out this space maggot and she's just kind of like, ew, you know, <laughs> like, but they're showing it in such a fashion. Like, look at this, look at this space maggot. He's holding it in front of the screen, looking all crazy. And she just looks annoyed. Yeah. And that's the exact, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I'm, great point. 100% true. Like, she'd be like, what the fuck? And I'd be like, Jesus Christ. And I'd be like, get that thing away from me. What is that? And she's like, eh, I've seen it before. It's just gross. I'm leaving. It's it's the most unnatural reaction to seeing that. It's so, the, the direction and the choices that they do in this movie are so odd. It's just, I don't get it. I, I, I don't. But, so back at her apartment, Kim's doing the dishes and finds dozens of cockroaches in her sink, which she tries to spray with like Raid or something. Uh, she makes herself some spaghetti and sits down with the virgin goddess book and starts flipping through it. She stops on a page that has a drawing of like this spiral symbol, which is labeled symbol of women's woman's power. That's all it says underneath it. Uh, Kim looks over at her spaghetti now and now suddenly sees that same symbol in her spaghetti noodles. Uh, And then another cockroach crawls out, crawls out for some bread and Kim flips the fuck out. And screams. And then uh, now there's a scene with her over at Hank's parents' house, which is decorated for Christmas, including the Christmas tree. Uh, She's meeting his family, which consists of Hank's elderly parents and his unrealistic young brother, who's like (laughs) 13. I mean, keep in mind, Hank is like in his mid-30s, and his parents are at least in their 60s or 70s. But the, he has a brother who's like twelve. Like, no, like, there's, no, like, is this kid adopted? Maybe there's no way. Like, like, no. I'm sorry, <laughs> just bullshit. 
Um, also, we learned that Hank's dad hates Jews, which Kim is Jewish. We learned that here, but he hates Jews. Um, uh, Hank, Hank himself is also a real, uh, real horn dog, and he's uh, throughout this whole movie, he's always trying to like make out and get it on with Kim, like at the worst time and like the most inappropriate times and places. Um, it, it just it happens so much in this movie. It's just weird. Um, it's like he's 16 years old or something with his first girlfriend just wants to make out constantly, no matter what's yeah, going she, on. Yeah, she, she does comment, you know, you're a dog in heat. And I'm like, a freak with that warning. Because <laughs> me, so haunt me. Yeah. So nice. A little, little two live crew for you. Well done, my friend. Well done. Uh, Kim goes back to her place. She looks through the guy's book some more and sees a picture of Lilith being burned. Um, she looks down at the pile of spaghetti that for some insane reason she left on the floor, which again, I don't know who, what, what, who, who the fuck does that? Like if you spill your bowl, your plate of spaghetti, you clean that shit up immediately. You don't just like leave it there for hours and it's like, I'll get to later. Well, have you noticed she's got a roach problem and she doesn't seem to really give too big a shit about the amount of roaches she has. She kind of goes, ew, ew, sprays him dead and just goes about her business. Probably because he's a dirty motherfucker. Yeah, if this bitch would clean up her mess, maybe the roaches wouldn't be there. Like, see, like this blue, this bothered me so much. Like, I can't understand. Like, why would this? Why would you leave the spaghetti on the floor? Why? That's just that's disgusting. So, um, I I don't know. Uh, anyway, she sees more cockroaches crawling, and that's when we see she sees a giant fucking cockroach like underneath her couch or her bed or something. Uh, anyway, uh, she, she grabs a broom and starts trying to track the giant bug around. I mean, when, when Marshall says giant cockroach, oh, we're, we're coming to that small dog. Yeah. Like, like we haven't seen Keep on. We haven't seen it in it in its fullest yet. We just kind of see a head underneath a bed or something. So like, oh, it's big. But even when you see its head, it's like the size of a fucking cat or dog. Yeah. Um, so She's chasing it around the apartment with this broom, like knocking over furniture with a broom trying to get this thing. And again, the thing's so big that it's running underneath furniture. And when it goes underneath the furniture, it like kicks the furniture up because there's, it's so big when it goes underneath the furniture, it topples over. Um, so, uh, where was I? Because I? So then, like out of nowhere, Kim um, starts getting sick and having like terrible stomach cramps. So she goes to the bathroom. And at, this is where, and she heads down the bathroom hall. The camera pans over, and this is this is where you see the fucking cockroach. And goddamn, like I said, it's it's a small. It's not even small. It's like the size of like a Labrador Retriever or like a German Shepherd or something. It's just a giant thing on the wall. Like, how do you not see that when you go past? The camera like, should have seen that thing easily. It's insane. It's a giant alien fucking cockroach, man. Um, Kim collapses so to the floor. Balled up in pain, and then you see one like the, the giant cockroach. The is like it, one of its antenna, like reaching through underneath the doorway, trying to poke him in the face. It's the <laughs> oddest <laughs> thing. It's like I'm just gonna poke you. I'm just gonna poke you in the face. Um, so we're gonna skip ahead to Kim arriving at uh, FEMA's picnic, where we meet Catherine, an older lady who also works at the bookstore. Um, and there's some other black lady there who we never. We, we, I mean, we, we never learned a lot, most of these women's names. Not well, it doesn't these, matter. It, 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 right, it doesn't fucking matter what their names is. It, it does, doesn't. So, um, the whole picnic scene is just 
weird and odd. FEMA is weird and creepy. Uh, Kim has one drink of wine and is suddenly like drunk, so drunk that she has to lay down and starts like seeing things or something. She's like looking up at the tree with her arms, like waving her hands above her face. Like it's odd. It's, it makes no sense. Again, FEMA leans and then kisses Kim. This time she kisses her on the lips. And then they leaves Kim there like to trip out on her wine high. Uh, and again, like what? Why is she kissing her? And Kim's just like, "All right, strange lady, you can kiss me some more." Like I, it's so odd. It's so weird. And Hank shows up and basically drags Kim back to work. Like, where the fuck are? What are you doing? Get back to work. We gotta go before you get fired. Um. So Hank and Kim, uh, they go back now. Like, we're skipping. They go back to the. Um, to the suicide where the chalk, where the chalk outline of the dead woman still on the sidewalk. Uh, there's no crime scene tape or anything. It's not roped off. It's just chalk outline and it a looks black awesome. shard burn outlines of where the legs were. Just right there in the middle of the sidewalk. It's fine. You know, it's been a couple of days now. Chalk is still there. Um, they head up to the roof again where um, again, Hank tries to instantly starts trying to get it on with keeps like, hey, let's just. I want to make out of you. Let's fuck you on this rooftop. Cause that's what I do. I'm Hank. Uh, so uh, they make, but they, she makes out with him for a while. They do. They, she makes out for a bit. Um, Hank wants like that, but he's like, Hey, let's fuck. And she's like, no, I want to, you know, um, like I'm going to stay here and look around some more for evidence or clues or something. So he's like, Hank's like, whatever. I, I, I'm out. And he leaves her alone on the rooftop. Uh, Kim ends up going into FEMA's apartment to talk to FEMA. And, and during this scene, FEMA drugs Kim's tea, who again instantly starts feeling wonk. Like one but sip, she's drugged out of her mind. It's, it's so nuts because she does it right in front of her face. Right in front of her. <laughs> like she, she just had a trippy wine moment. Like when she had one sip of wine, you'd think she'd have the wherewithal to be like, don't get take what she gives you to drink. Not only does she carry the tea, it's like, oh yeah, here's your drugs. Don't worry, it's a little bitter. You'll be fine. Yeah, like she seriously crumples up some powder or drugs right in front of Kim's face and in, in her tea, like right there on the on the table, and just hands it to her. And she's like, okay, like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, why? What? Come on. So, uh, FEMA tells Kim about her daughter Lily. And how, you know, they're not very close and they're never close. And she blames her ex-husband for that. And then she says, I chose, you know, I should never have stayed with my husband or something. Like, I don't know. It's just boring backstory. It doesn't matter. Um, Then she gets really personal and inappropriate by asking about Kim's sex life. Uh, It's also really fucking weird. You know, again, like this lady is so intrusive to someone she like met yesterday. She's like, Hey, why don't you tell me about how you bang your boyfriend? I feel like the Me So Horny soundtrack should be part of it. Like, Two Live Crew's Me So Horny should be part of the soundtrack. Just <laughs> playing in the background all the time. Because everyone's all, like, dry humping and banging, like, kissing. and like. It, but it's not like... it's it, They don't present it as a central theme, but it definitely, definitely is. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 100%. Um, so... Um, Kim gets really weird and it's like suddenly changes personality when Kim or FEMA like suddenly changes personality when Kim spills her tea. She gets all like stern and muller. She's like, how dare you spill tea? Like, Don't clear that way. It's, it's really weird. Like, like there's a real, real 
fast shift of personality for, I don't know, it's odd. Um, feeling really loopy, Kim lays back on the couch. FEMA gives Kim another one of her chocolate-covered cocoon-looking things. Uh, when <laughs> Kim date. looks at it in her hand, she sees a large bug. Not 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 the date or whatever Aaron's saying or whatever this thing is that FEMA puts her name, but Kim looks at it and sees a bug. And FEMA tells her, eat it. But instead of freaking out throwing the bug down like she should, Kim just scarfs the bug down in one gulp. Uh, and then she's instantly hit with more stomach and abdominal pains. Maybe because you're eating fucking bugs and drugs and who knows what else from a strange ass lady. And you just keep doing, you dumb bitch. Stop it. Anyway, FEMA lays Kim down on the couch. Kim starts having visions of things we've already seen in the movie and some things we have not. Just flashes of, of stuff. Uh, and now suddenly there's this new woman who we've never seen before looking down at Kim who is then surrounded by FEMA, Catherine, and the black girl that we saw earlier. So now this fourth woman's shown up. Um, and now shit starts getting really fucking bananas here. Uh, they strip off Kim's clothes. like They strip her naked. And they draw some black lines on her head and a spiral on her stomach. And FEMA calls in Clint Howard, whose name we learn is Ricky... Which is the only fucking connection this movie has to the rest of the series because we talked about earlier. Other than the other than one super brief shot of like Silent Night, Dead Night 3 on a TV screen later, um, later on at some point. But I got so confused at this. I'm like, okay, is this supposed to be Ricky from the previous movie? Are we supposed to believe that like serial killer Ricky is now like a homeless thrall of some crazy coven? And also, if it is him, where the fuck is this fishbowl brain dome at? Like, what? Like, or is this, like, just the writer saying, we'll just name this guy Ricky because that will be the homage to the previous series, even though he's not the same character? That's just almost a slap in the face, I think. That makes it even worse, I think. They just named him, like, fucking Philip or something or Adam and not Ricky. This is, this is so bad. Like, I didn't even realize it when they, when you, I, I'm just looking at, like, Clint Howard, yeah, okay, Clint Howard. And I hear them saying, Clint Howard, come in this room. You're right, they do name him Mickey, but I, Ricky, but I never pay attention. I'm just like, oh, yeah. And you make a great point. It's probably an homage, I guess, to Side the Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 and 3. Uh, if it is supposed to be him, fuck you. Because Ricky in Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 was a goddamn stud, you know, and then you replace him, okay, sure, with Bill Mosley. He's been worse for wear. He's been, you know, comatose for a while. But then he turns into Clint Howard? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Like I said, in, in three, Ricky was a fucking, like, he was mute. Like, he couldn't, he didn't talk. And he had a fucking brain dome. Like, his head, like, what? he was like a fucking cyborg or something in the, in the third one. Now he's like this homeless dude. Like, like, seriously, like, don't name him Ricky. Like, it, it, if he's not going to be the character from the other movies, then name him something else. That's just, to me, that's, like, insulting. Uh, but whatever. I don't, I don't know. So, anyway, Ricky comes in holding one of the giant white alien bugs that we saw earlier and places it on Kim's stomach. Catherine sprinkles some dirt on Kim while saying some incantation or something. Then covers her stomach with a sheet uh, and the bug with the sheet. FEMA holds up a rat and kills it and lets the blood drip down onto the bug. 
which then burrows its way into Kim's stomach, who starts screaming in agony and has to be held down. We see the bug thingy crawling under Kim's skin, like up her torso. Um, Catherine tells Kim to make her fear real to get it out. So as if this shit wasn't bonkers enough, Kim now vomits out a three foot long cockroach centipede hybrid. Uh, it's fucking insane, dude. What the shit is happening at this point? It's beyond crazy. It's so nuts. You don't even have time to breathe yet. You don't. Because as soon as she pukes it out, like they come over and chop it in half. Yeah, Ricky comes over and cuts the vomit bug in half. Goo over his face. Yeah, and like so, he takes the lower half and holds it upside down over Kim's face, letting like the slimy bug goo shit fall out and plop in gooey globs onto Kim's face and just covers her with like a bug facial. It's disgusting. She's getting <laughs> cockroach bukkake. Yeah. <laughs> So then it just cuts to Kim jolting awake on the couch, fully dressed, cleaned up like nothing ever happened with no sign of any of the other women or Ricky. Uh, But when she goes to the door, she slowly gets surrounded by all the other women. Um, They try to convince Kim to stay. Catherine says to Kim, she, meaning Kim, needs to finish. Kim just wants to leave and asks Fema what she wants from her, to which Fema says, I just want my daughter back. Kim makes a break for the door, manages to escape the apartment, and Fima orders the black girl to go get Ricky. Kim gets back to her place, finds Hank asleep in her bed, and she has, at this point, she has this crazy fucking breakdown, and long story, she basically ends up trying to kill herself by downing a bottle of pills, but Hank stops her, and Kim calms the fuck down after breaking a mirror. That calms her down. And this whole scene is just so fucking weird that I, I don't even really want to try to explain it more than that. It's just, it's weird. It doesn't make sense. Like Kim's attitude and behavior just change and flip-flopping all over the place. I don't get it. It's just, I, I don't know. Um, don't, don't break it down. Yeah, I'm not. So when she does calm down, she suddenly loses her memory. So she's calmed down. She's, she's like, Hank? Is that you? What are you doing here? Like, what the fuck is going on? I mean, I don't... How do you lose your memory in a matter of, like, a second? Like, I don't... What? And it gets even more fucking wackadoodle here because now Kim is suddenly all horny and all turned on by the fact that Hank was sleeping. She tells Hank that he looks like a little boy in his nightshirt. He's wearing, like, an Ebenezer Scrooge nightshirt type thing. Which is really fucking creepy considering that she's getting all horned up and says, you look like a little boy and apparently that turns me on. I want to fuck you looking like a little kid. That's some crazy shit right there. Um, So she takes him to bed. She gets on top of him, strips off her top and starts to fuck him while while telling him to just lay there and pretend to be asleep. So this is some weird, dark, fetish shit going on right here. Yeah, I, I, this is, is. just <laughs> insanity. I don't know, I kind of like it. I'm like, this is interesting. <laughs> now we're getting weird. All right. Everything about this whole scene just gets fucking weirder and weirder. So, because now Ricky walks into the apartment, walks into the bedroom while Kim's riding Hank, just standing and looks at him for a bit. Neither one of them notice Ricky standing right there next to him. So Ricky just goes over 
and takes a seat on the end of the bed next to him while they're banging, turns on the TV, and this is where we get that archive footage of Saturday Night Deadly Night 3. They still don't know us, Rick, even though the t- you don't feel, you, you would feel somebody come in and sit on the end of the bed. You would and hear. Turning on, uh, turning on a TV. Yes, turning on the TV, happening. you would hear that shit. But they don't, it's not until Ricky starts laughing at the TV that they finally notice him and stop fucking. Hank and Kim leap out of bed. Hank pulls on some pants. And Ricky basically says to Kim, uh, hey, uh, you have to come back with me, so let's go. It's not like, hey, I'm going like, to get you. I do like when they discover Ricky, they're like, oh, he looks at him and goes, hey, <laughs> killer Santa. Yeah. He's like, he's not even care about the thing. He's like, he's, he's, I don't know, he's got like this ignorant, like boyish, like kind of half retarded mentality to him. Like, I don't know what's going on with him, but he, he's not right. He's obviously not right in the head. Um, so Ricky gets really confused when Kim says, no, she's not going to go with him. Like, why aren't you going to, I told you, you have to come with me. I got to take you back. And she's like, no. And Ricky's confused by that. Um, anyway, at least to a fight between Ricky and Hank, uh, during which Ricky continues to get, continues to try to get Kim to come. He's like, Hey, just come with me. That's all I want. Just, just come on stop this. Um, basically the fight ends when Ricky kills Hank with a knife, but we don't really see anything because Kim's hiding under the bed at this point. And all we see is Ricky holding Hank from behind and like more blood, more and more blood come like running down Hank's leg until he drops to the floor dead. That's all you really see of the kill. Ricky finds Kim under the bed. Uh, and he, he who's been like during the fight got tied up with like medical tape or something. Uh, yeah. But before he can t- leave with her, in comes Janice. Uh, but instead of saving Kim, we find out that Janice has been part of FEMA's group all along. And she's like, no, you got to go with him. You know, it's okay. But you go with Ricky. I'm going to clean up here. It. So Janice, yeah, tells Ricky to take Kim straight over to FEMA's while she stays behind to clean up. Um, We cut to Ricky locking Kim in the Asian butcher's meat locker that's filled with all sorts of like hanging slabs of meat and carcasses. Um, so, so we have the, we have the, we, we have the, t- it's all tied in the same building now. So yes. we have the, the, <laughs> the Asian man who earlier could barely speak a line of uh, English, you know, apparently it's his butcher shop now that she's in. Yeah. Yeah. She's in, she's in the butcher shop, which is like next door to the bookstore. So it's all in the same building. Yeah, and it's so weird because these pigs that she's like, there's like full hogs hanging in there. Yeah, you expect to see like Rocky and they're like skin. punching cow slabs. You know, like, they, just, they look, they look so bad. They look like they look like paper mache pigs. Yeah, they don't look very good. Um, and like I said, if so, things haven't been crazy enough for you yet. Well, you're like because shit's about to get even more fucking bonkers from here on out, if that's even possible. Because now, okay, for some reason. Kim falls asleep in the meat locker and which boggles my mind. Like if I've just been kidnapped and I'm naked, find myself naked in, in, in a, or not naked. She's not naked. Um, I get kidnapped and locked in a meat locker. I'm not going to be falling asleep. I'd be like trying to find a way out. My dream would be going, but she just, she just passes out. She falls asleep. I mean, to her defense, she has been drugged. And she went through some crazy shit. She just had a traumatic experience seeing her boyfriend killed. She might just shut down. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. All right. 
Fair enough. Uh, but when she wakes up, now she's been stripped out of all of her clothes, so she's naked, uh, and she's wrapped in some sort of like red and black robe. All the other women are in there with her, including some more women we've never seen before. Like, there's this naked blonde chick just standing there. Out. She, the only reason she's in this movie is to show her tits. Just some random naked blonde chick showing her tits in a meat locker. That a girl. <laughs> what? Why? Why is she naked? None of the other women except for Kim are naked. But there's this one random blonde chick naked in a meat locker. Uh, I don't... It's fucking hilarious. Um, so... Um, they force Kim to drink some kind of liquid from like, like this ritual bowl. Um, we see Ricky standing there. He's naked, wearing a mask with a giant dick nose on it. Uh, Ricky is also given the bowl of liquid to drink. Uh, FEMA places Kim in a chair. Ricky kneels down in front of her while Catherine does some ritual shit behind him. And here you can see just how cheap and crappy the uh, the dick mask looks. Because it looks like it's, again, paper mache just kind of glued together. It's really bad looking. Um, there's several other women here start covering Ricky in, I don't know what, but like copious amounts of like, I guess like KY jelly or something. Like massaging his shoulders. <laughs> it's pig fat. It's pig fat. It's because it's not kosher. She can't stand it. She's Jewish. Oh, no. <laughs> horror so ricky starts fucking kim while the old ladies like continue to rub him like seriously the ladies rubbing them are like in their 80s or 90s like they're old ladies rubbing him down like, like this like KY jelly. Juice. uh this whole scene is just a it's just a sight to behold like i'm not doing it just it's insane like it's such a visual what? I mean, yeah, go on. I've, I got some, like, Devil and Miss Jones vibes. Yes! I was one. about to bring it up. That's the first... I, when I saw the penis mask, I was like, oh my god, this is Devil and Miss Jones in hell about to fuck Cerno de Bergiac in that scene. And I, like, only, I thought for sure Ricky was going to fuck her with that mask, but no, he just bangs her regularly. Uh, and but that's the first thing I thought of, too. What, well, should we tell them what Devil and Miss Jones is? It's like a porn from the late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, where it starts off in hell, where this woman fucks Sergio Dabrowiak, who is known for having a gigantic nose, but he's a he's a wordsmith, and he has a penis nose in hell, and she basically fucks his face and then gets out of hell. Yeah, why do we know that? It's but anyway, that's what it's from. <laughs> you kind of broke up there for a minute, so I hope it came it, it, you uh it came through. Uh, so. After this, we cut to Kim laying naked on a Persian rug, still in the meat locker, covered by what looks like an ugly curtain now. Not the robe she's wearing, but just like some kind of ugly looking curtain. Um, she starts having pains, which cause her to contort her body. There is a good looking effect now, now of her fingers. Like they inter they start interwinding and merging together and like fusing together. And they turn into like this some sort of like living monster with a face for a moment. It's kind of, it's fucking creepy, and it does look pretty good. This is where you start getting, like, flashes of society. Yeah. You know, and, like, the, the body mutations and things like that, which happened later on, uh, or just right, right on the corner, but we're happening now, actually. Uh, and you're, you're definitely like, okay, now now I see, I'm seeing writing on the wall for society coming for you know, starting here. Yeah. Uh, She's so shunting before shunting was a thing. 
Yeah. Uh, but she is able to pull her, her, her hands and fingers apart, uh, putting an end to that whatever, whatever the shit was happening to her. Uh, Ken then falls to the floor and like she's got, she's sitting on the floor with her back up against the wall. And then we see like vanilla yogurt come squirting out from her vagina as she screams in pain. Um, and then her legs seem to get fused together and start to like roll up on themselves starting at their feet. It's pretty fucking gnarly looking. And it looks like something from like a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Like it's, pr- it's pretty awesome, but it's fucking weird. I like I like how you go vanilla yogurt. I don't know what else to say. You can just say it's the stuff. The stuff, so the yeah, stuff yeah. Starts coming out of her stuff. Uh. Anyway, this whole again, this scene is so bonker. It's so crazy. I, I, it's hard to describe. Like you just have to visually see it. Um, at this point, now Kim is covered in goo. And she starts trying to crawl across the floor, which look, which looks like it's covered in like vomit and shit, which it wasn't before, uh, but it is now. Um, she looks over and sees more of the giant alien bugs crawling over like the, the giant meat slabs hanging on hooks. And behind that is Hank's dead body hanging from his nipples by two small hooks. Uh, at this yeah, point... It's like- it's like one of those uh, bondage kind of guys. Yeah, it's that or performance those... thing where people like hang themselves. That's exactly what I, yeah. Dude, I am not into that. I always think that's just like, ugh. Like, like I know that people are like, look, I'm weird and creepy. I'm hanging by hooks. Uh, yeah. I get off on this. I'm like, really, man? Really? Yeah, no, I agree oh, with you, man. Oh. Not my thing either, man. I think that stuff's pretty disgusting. And, and Here's a funny thing, though. They like to show it off. Yeah. Or a lot of them do. Like, let me sh- I'm going to go to this Comic-Con and show you me hanging, like, uh, like the Creepy-Con. I mean, we went to Creepy-Con. Yeah, I was, say, I was just about to whole... say, they, they were people there at Creepy-Con doing that. You know, it's it's a weird, like, It's like modern-day freak show stuff. Like, they do it, they will get paid or, like, fun. It's ex- like, I'm not quite hot enough to be naked and dancing for money or having sex for money. So I'm just going to hang by hooks <laughs> and get paid. And it's sexy. It's ugh. I'm just not into it. Yeah, I, I agree. It's not my thing either. But uh, so after seeing Hank's body, at this point, Kim passes out again. Like this woman has passed out so many times in this movie up to now. Like it's like it's like her third or fourth time she's passed out already. Um, we cut to the Asian butcher entering the meat locker, which wakes Kim up. Her legs are wrapped in what looks like a cocoon. Um, at this point, like or, it looks like or, or like, like, a, or like she's shedding his skin. Yeah, like yeah, or yeah, like shedding skin or something like that. It's really odd. Nobody comments on it ever. Like the butcher doesn't say anything. Kim doesn't even say anything about it. She's like, oh, I guess I'm shedding my skin now or in a cocoon. No reaction is whatsoever, which again is insane to think about. Um, the butcher is followed in by this Asian girl, by the Asian girl that's part of FEMA's coven or crew or whatever and she gives kim her clothes back the butcher tells kim that she has been initiated and then like basically kicks her out like you have to go now you, you get out of here <laughs> um kim goes straight to the bookstore for some reason instead of going to the cops or going home she goes to the bookstore uh where fema calls her lily not kim she's like oh lily there you are and we learn that lily fema's daughter was the girl who jumped off the building that caught on fire in the beginning of the movie. 
FEMA says her daughter was too weak, but now Kim has come to take her place. Catherine and FEMA, Catherine and FEMA tell Kim that she's one of them now, that she has been freed from her from the parasite that is man. That is one a, of us. One of us. You're a lesbian now. Yay. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so FEMA like goes on to say that movie, Kim, like they have through to go magic, has given birth to the fear inside her, thus expelling the fear from her body. Which I'm going to come back on that in a moment because later it doesn't really make sense where they're going with that. But So I find this really strange. It's like, you're now one of us. You're free from man. Does that mean you're a lesbian? It's like, and if you're going to be a lesbian in this world, you have to go through this insane bug-laden, body-morphing, like, trippy-inducing, metaphysical transformation just so you can eat some snatch. Like, that's a little far out. Yeah, it's... Like, trying to wrap your head around this movie and what's going on, it, it, it'll make your brain hurt. It's it's just ludicrous. It's... um, So... Kim asks if Hank is really dead, to which FEMA just says, eh, he's just a man. <laughs> like, that, what? <laughs> like, who cares if he's, he's just a man? Fuck him, man. Who cares? Catherine then says to Kim that she is not finished yet, that Kim needs to needs a life to feed the fear. Uh, FEMA wants Kim to go kidnap Hank's younger 13-year-old brother, Bring him to them so they can sacrifice him to Kim's fear that she has to nurture her new power. Goddamn. What? Kim refuses at first, but then she gets hit with agonizing pain. FEMA tells her that if she doesn't feed the power, it will kill her. And then, so Kim leaves and FEMA sends Ricky to follow her and like, yeah, you know, keep, an, keep tabs on her and help her out. Here's my weird. Here's something that that dawned me that I that when I was watching that doesn't make sense to me. Not, the whole movie doesn't make sense. But so they say they just told her that basically they um, by through magic she had given birth to the fear inside of her and expelling the fear from her body. So that means she should not. She should now be free of fear and have no fear. Fear should not have effect on her. But then they say, oh, you have to feed that fear. So it doesn't kill you. But she just expelled the fear. So it shouldn't be in her to kill her at all. This is where it gets like, it's so contradictory and confusing. Like, I don't know where they're going with this. I don't think they knew what they were doing when they were writing this. Cause it doesn't make any fucking sense right. at all. So next is a scene of Kim back at her place with a detective trying to convince him that Hank was killed here, but all signs of the murder have been cleaned up. Nothing else happens. We're moving on. It's a dumb scene. Now we jump back to the newspaper office having a Christmas party. Kim crashes the party. She storms and she's yelling at Reggie Bannister, demanding to know where Hank is. And he tells her that Hank's been sent out on assignment. He's out, you know, and he's not here. So I'm like, is he in on it too then? Like, why? What? What? Like, he, I don't, I don't know. I don't get, it's. I don't get it. Um, Janice is there. She tells Kim that she looks wonderful, welcomes her to the family, and then gives kiss gives Kim a kiss and reminds Kim to bring them the boy. 
Kim gets mad, slaps the drink out of Janice's hand, and runs out of the building. Outside, she sees Ricky standing next to her car. And it's really, really brief, but I know there's something really strange about her car. uh, And I can't explain why this is for the life of me. Yeah, what? Well, I've been waving at you for like the last 10 minutes. I keep trying to talk, but you're not hearing me. I love that party scene. Where she's just slapping, she slaps drinks out of like three different people's hands. Yeah. And like shoves a drink into Reggie Bannister's face, slaps another bitch's drink, and then beats the beats a jazz about the head and shoulders while her drinks flying around. I love it. She hates drinks. She just <laughs> loves like smashing drinks in people's faces. One of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. Yeah, it is pretty enter- I will say it's pretty entertaining. Um you are right about that. The but what I was about to say about this car is I, I don't ex- I can't explain why it's this way at all. But for some reason the car's license plate is backwards. All the letters and numbers are backwards. Like I don't get it. Like it makes nothing else in the, in the movie in the scene is like reversed, but the license plate is 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 completely reversed. And I don't it blew my mind why that is. I don't know. Um, Kim Kim runs off. Uh, but Ricky does see her and he follows after her. And Kim, they end up, Kim ha- heads to the small local motel and sneaks into one of the empty rooms, locking the door behind her. She looks over the TV, which is playing lesbian porn, just playing on the TV. And then FEMA pops on the TV and starts talking to Kim through the TV, telling her that Kim has no choice. She must bring in the boy, that she must feed her fears or they will feed on her. Again, even though she is supposed to have expelled those fears by vomiting out the alien cockroach hybrid centipede thing. So she's supposed to be fearless now, but now the fear is going to kill her. It makes zero sense. I don't get it. Um, Again, at this point, her fingers begin to distort and twist around like tentacles. But it's kind of funny. If you look really, really closely at the bottom of the screen, you can see the actress's hands holding up the fake hands it's really brief but you you can see it uh uh and then her so kim something begins to burn from inside and, and sizzle and smoke starts to come off of her she runs into the bathroom uh turns it turns on the shower and gets in and tries to cool off in the water she looks down at her legs which have turned black and are you ready for this shit her legs then spontaneously combust into flames they just catch fire in the shower ricky breaks in through the bathroom window kim starts begging him for help ricky tells her just like you just do what fema wants asks you to do just do what she says and it will stop so at this point i i love this scene i love how she's just like freaking out in the shower there's steam everywhere there's flames bursting and clint howard's like come on man just just calm down. Do what she wants. And she's like, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. Yeah, that's a hundred percent. That's a thousand percent. That's exactly it. She it's gives awesome. in and says, fine, I'll do what FEMA says. Uh, and she looks down at her legs and the flames are gone at this point along with the paint. They just disappear as soon as she says she'll do it. So now we cut to Ricky and Kim pulling up to Hank's parents' house and what can only be described as the Sexual Predators RX Special Edition van. Kim tells Ricky to stay in the van that she'll take care of it. Inside, Hank's parents and Lonnie, the brother, have finished opening their presents. Lonnie's wearing his new Tommy Jarvis fur-lined denim jacket while the father plays with his new camcorder. 
Kim rings the doorbell while Ricky hides around the side of the house. Lonnie answers the door. She wishes him a Merry Christmas and tells, which is kind of, I thought that was fucking kind of dark and demented. Like, you know, you're going there to kidnap and kill this kid. You're like, Merry Christmas. Like, I, ah, I don't know. But um, just, just give that man another reason to hate the Jews. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, she tells him that Hank is in the van. So Lon- the old, I got, you want to see my puppy dog in the van trick? Like this, this kid, like, you know, not to go into a stranger's van, but she, he rushes over the van with Kim. Kim hops in the driver's seat, Lonnie's in the passenger seat and asking where Hank is. She tells him, that he, oh, he'll be right back. At this point, Ricky, for some reason, in, in just invades the parents' house for no reason. They have a Lonnie in the van. He could have gotten in the van. They could have driven off fine. But Ricky just goes into the house attacks the mom with like medical tape. He's like, ha ha, bitch, I'm going to tape you up. Uh, hearing the mom scream, the father gets up shouting, what's going on here? Ricky turns his attention to, to the father and is like, just relax, man. Just go, just relax. The father hits Ricky in the face with the camcorder. Ricky gets up, tackles the father into the Christmas tree, then kills the father by strangling him with a string of Christmas lights. During which the lights then seem to also spontaneously combust for some reason. And the whole Christmas tree goes up in flames. Uh, it's fucking insane. Like, first of all, the, the, the strangle of the lights, it looks terrible. It, it, it looks like shit. But there's no reason why this tree should just erupt into flames out of nowhere. It, it, it doesn't make any sense, but it happens. Seeing smoke billowing out of his front door... Lonnie tries to get out of the van, but Kim hits the gas and starts to drive away. Lonnie leaps in the back and tr- opens the sliding door to jump out the side. But as soon as he opens the sliding door, there's Ricky running alongside the van. He leaps in, blocking Lonnie from getting out, and they drive off. I love it. That's so much fun. <laughs> that, probably, that, that whole sequence, that feels a little bit more like a Silent Night, Deadly Night movie. Yeah, a little bit. I could see that a little bit. Yeah, that has more like that. You're killing a family at a Christmas time, all that stuff. Like that feels more Silent Night, Deadly Night. You get a little taste. You get a little taste. Um, so now we cut back to the rooftop of the building, the main building, um, for the big climax here, and all of our main women are there. All the you know, Lonnie's being like held down or tied down to the roof. Um, you know, his guys. One, one woman's like holding his ankles. The other's holding his wrists up above his head. Uh, and I think he's tied with rope too somewhere. I don't know. They rip his shirt open. And Catherine comes in, draws some black lines on him, on his face and torso. Then hands FEMA a ritual knife. And FEMA then gives that knife to Kim. At this point, several of the giant white alien looking bug larva things start falling out of that vent. Uh... And Ricky just stands there watching this happen. I mean, these are just flopping out. There's so many of them. FEMA tells Kim to do it now, but Kim hesitates, not wanting to kill Lonnie. FEMA keeps telling her that she has to do it. She has no choice. Kim still hesitates. At this point, FEMA starts getting mad at Kim, demanding to know why Kim continues to defy her after all that she has done for her. All that she's done for her is she's basically like, ruined her life like you've poisoned her you've 
basically sexually assaulted her. You had her raped by Ricky. You've had bugs crawl inside of her, vomit out other bugs. It, why would she want to do anything for you? Phoebe's like, eh, whatever. You know, I love Forget your boyfriend got killed. Cracks me up. Um, so a few of the alien, those giant white alien bug things start crawling their way over to, uh, to Lonnie. Catherine and the other women are just standing around chanting like, kill him, kill him. There's, you know, chanting that. FEMA grabs Kim's hand that's holding the knife and raises it above Kim's head and like, ready like, you know, like forcing Kim to do this. Ready for the, and then FEMA thrusts Kim's hands down towards Lonnie for the killing blow. But at the last second, Kim pulls her hand back and stabs FEMA in the stomach with, with the ritualistic knife. Whoa! Uh, the other women rush to FEMA's aid. Kim unties Lonnie, who then scurries away and kind of hides. Uh, the women help FEMA to her feet, who pulls a knife out of her gut and approaches Kim. But at this point, Ricky then steps in between them, uh, begging FEMA not to hurt Kim. Uh, not wanting to hear that shit, FEMA just stabs Ricky in the stomach and then <laughs> eviscerates him by pulling the blade up through his torso, just like gutting him. Like, getting like a fish. Ricky falls over in a pile of trash. And about half a dozen of those like white alien bug things start swarming him. Like latching onto his like bloody open torso wound. Like leeches or something. Um, yeah, they trap all the little weird little worm guys. And they go running over. I think Ricky and our, our, our female hero have... They they bonded over kidnapping. I think that's what it was. They had a they had a moment. You know? <laughs> Maybe we didn't quite see it on camera, but they they had a moment where they bonded. Uh, Kim gets wrecked with pain again. FEMA says, "See, you didn't listen. Now you're going to burn, and I won't have a daughter." Uh, Kim gives some short heroic speech about how she's not like FEMA. She's not like you know not this isn't her. Uh, and again. At this point, her hands and her fingers like start merging together and, and distort, and they get all entangled together, and they, they elongate, and these entangled fingers, like I said, they elongate, and then they burst into flames. They, they erupt into flames, too, for some reason, and it kind of looks like a gross, twisted alien dick on fire. It's basically what is coming off of her hands at this point. Kim shouts out that she's like, I'm not like you and I'm not going to die for you either. And with that, Kim thrusts her flaming alien dick finger hand in to FEMA's body, uh, into the, where the bloody knife wound was and completely threw FEMA. And then when Kim pulls her hands out, they've, they've returned to normal. Now her hands are perfectly fine. Now FEMA then erupts into flames, like full body burn, just head to toe, boosh, into flames. And she flings herself basically off the roof, just like her dog. She, she throws herself off the roof. The flaming FEMA plummets to the sidewalk below where she dies on impact. The rest of the coven just all look at Kim, who, and then Kim's looking at them. And then they just, and then Kim just turns and walks away to go get Lonnie. And the I, the coven just left, like they should like you just killed our leader like they should they how they're not attacking Kim or like reacting to this at all just like all right Kim is their new leader she killed the head witch so that's what it is I thought that too but she I don't know she didn't go through with the ceremony so she's not completely one of them um 
Anyway, so she goes over to Kim goes over to Lonnie and she just hugs him. She hugs Lonnie and says, It's all over now. It's all over. She the says, remaining women Christian just stare down at FEMA's burning corpse on the sidewalk, fade to white, blackout, roll credits. That's fucking Silent Night, Deadly Night 4, guys. That's the movie. And Aaron's giving me the bird. He's, he's flicking me off. <laughs> Fuck this movie. Jesus Christ. Well, uh, let, me, let me wait to tell you how I feel. Well, yeah. we'll come up with that, but let's not go into this week's favorite kills. Don't act like you didn't love it. Favorite kill. All right, so this movie, again, this is one of those movies where the kills just suck. Hardly anything happens. Nothing. Nobody really ever dies. It's just a shit bore, but we always have to pick something. So, Aaron, what's your choice for this week? Actually, I'm kind of torn. Um, I'm torn between the very first image, the very first death slash kill of the full body burn jump off the roof, um, or Clint Howard being eviscerated with uh, space maggots eating him afterwards. I think I'm going to go with the first one. Go with, I guess it's Lindsay. I guess that's her name. Lily. Thank you. Lily, who throws herself off the building because it's so unexpected and it is very jarring. And the way her body burns is very weird. And they are kind of like signaling how weird it is. I mean, when Clint Howard sees he's like, what? He's like, that doesn't make sense. He's like kind of poking at it, you know? So, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Lily, the the full body burn stunt man jumping off the roof, dying. Yeah, I, that's, that's I, I agree with you. Exactly. I'm told between, the, the, those are the only two that really matter, Ricky and the opening one. Because I thought the same thing when that, when that first opening scene, you know, like, Oh shit! This bird just burst into flame and plums. Like, okay, I'm intrigued. You know, like let's. This could be. I'm interested. Where this could maybe this is gonna be good. That's the last of it. It just goes downhill from there. It, it, it it's it's fuck that. But but then Ricky's the only one that actually someone like like you know the evisceration when she like this like rips them open and the the alien bug thing starts eating them. Like that's pretty crazy. But um. But at that point, I don't know if that was enough to save the movie. So I, I'm thinking with you. I'm thinking the op- the opening one just because it grabs your attention. But it, it because it's a very I don't know because it misleads you. It's a trick. It's a trick. It's a trap kill is what it is. Um. So. But now, fuck it. I, I even though it's a trap, I'll just go with the first one because it's the only one that kind of catches your eye. Yeah, I mean it's it's so funny because the way you described it and actually the way it ends when. FEMA is killed by alien dick hands flaming sword, basically driven through her stomach, and then she catches in fire and jumps off just like Lily. You sound it, it sounds like that would be way more spectacular. Yeah, but honestly, I'm, I, I bet I'm at the end of the movie. I'm like just fucking die for sure. Alien dick hand stab wound for the flaming <laughs> sure whatever whatever we need to do to get us out of here. <laughs> I feel you. Yeah, it's a great. Uh, said that's a great way. All right, so let's just move on to odds and ends. Just when you thought it was over, here comes the odds and ends. All right, ratings. IMDb gives it a three point nine out of ten. Rotten Tomatoes. There is no official thermometer score, but it has an eighteen percent audience score. Wow. And Amazon. Fucking Amazon gives it a four out of five. Assholes. So, uh, plot keywords. There were 55 plot keywords, and oh boy, were there some crazy ones we've never seen before. I uh, mind, I wrote these down before I even watched the movie, so I was like, what the fuck am I in for? Um, so we have male rear nudity, 
male nudity, female nudity, bare-chested male, lesbian kiss, feminism, witchcraft, bug, bug, rape, one word, bug rape, rape, spontaneous combustion, bug birth, sadomasochism, hot, sexploitation, lesbian, castration, street punk, voodoo, uterus, maggot, and amniotic fluid were all plot keywords for this movie. I'm like, dear God, what is th- what is this? <laughs> <laughs> that if you were if you just if I gave you those words and say you're gonna there's a movie about this, your mind like what would you be thinking you were about to watch? Because <laughs> goddamn, first of all, bug rape. I don't remember a, anybody getting raped by a bug or raping a bug, so I don't know what that is. Um. Bug birth, hot sexploitation, castration. I don't remember him getting castrated either, but okay. Whatever. And street punk? Who's the street punk? Ricky? He's just a homeless Maybe. dude. He's not a street punk. Voodoo? They're not voodoo witches. They're not voodoo practitioners. They're witches, I guess. Maggie? I don't know. It's just Those are some... I just had to write. Those are crazy words. I was like, that's insane. All right, so moving on. Trivia. Uh, I, there are three things I, I, I got down from this. Uh, so it's not nothing major, but this is the this marks the first of two times Clint Howard has played a character named Ricky. Uh, he's the only actor to play him more than once, not counting the archive. And it's unclear if he's playing the same character from the first two films. So I don't know. Basically, he played Ricky a second time in some other movie. I don't know. It's lame, I know, but that's, there's not much to work with here. Uh, screenwriter Woody Keith incorporate several ideas and scenarios that he had originally envisioned for his previous film society. So there's your connection. He wrote, uh, he wrote society, but had been unable to fit it into the storyline. The film's U S release would predate that society by nearly two years. So this was released before society, but society was written and I guess made before, but it got released after. So yeah, you that's a good call that there was very, very much some society esque moments in this movie because it's written by the same guy who said, Hey, I didn't get into my other movie. I'm going to put it in this one basically. Uh, and lastly, uh, the, the basis for the film script was originally meant for the third silent night, deadly night film, but ended up being used here after the makers of that, of that film turned the original script down. So this was supposed to be silent night, deadly night three originally, but they scrapped it for what the other one was. And that's all I got for trivia this week. I couldn't find much. Okay. Um, so we'll just uh, move on to this Mortal Kombat combat. At the end of this day, one shall stand, one shall fall. versus wrong, light versus dark. In the end, when the dust settles, who will be left standing after Mortal Comet combat? All right, so we'll see what side who wins this combat. Who who wins this fight this year? This this week, actually, not year. Uh, so there are only twenty reviews on Amazon for this movie. are five-star reviews, with only 9% one-star. However, of those 60% five-stars, very few people actually wrote anything down. So the only one I really have to read uh, is from Brian, who please, he writes, 
please put this on DVD. I have part one and two and three on DVD. I think they need to put part four and five in DVD. That Yes, that's how it's written. I think they need to put part four and five and DVD. I hope someday they will come out with a box there or something like that to have all the movies on DVDs, five star. That's the only written five star review of this movie on Amazon. That's crazy. So, moving on to the one stars. where they, the, the one stars get a little more um, outspoken. Even though there's a few of them, they, they definitely are more outspoken. From Ted, I thought nothing could be worse than part two or three, but we have a new candidate here for initiation, which should have been the title of the movie, is the worst in the series by far. First off, it has nothing to do with the series. It doesn't have anything to do with Christmas. Don't be fooled by the Christmas tree on the cover. You won't see Santa in this movie. And the isn't even remotely entertained to say the least. It's about the cult who manipulates a TV reporter into joining their cult. The movie has stupid effects with bugs. As other reviewers have said, this said and the effects are downward awful. This is the this is the Halloween three of the series. It is a bad excuse for a side story uh, that should have never been a movie in the first place. Just like Season of the Witch or New Beginning of Friday the Thirteenth, for that matter. In other words, the movie doesn't belong. Skip this and see the classic horror movie, 1984, Saturday Night, Deadly Night. Instead, you will all be glad you did one star. I kind of like the fact he brought up Halloween Part 3 and compared to it because he's kind of right on that. I kind of agree. You son of a bitch. Tom Atkins is a gem. Oh, stop sucking Tom Atkins' dick already. Jesus Christ. Never. <laughs> God. Then you got some mustache. I think you got some of his mustache hair on your cock right there, man. I, Jesus. Uh, it's chest hair. He doesn't have a lot of it, so it comes out easily. <laughs> um, from Gunther, I love the Saturday Night Dead Night series, and I sure think I almost gave this series up after seeing this crap. My first viewing of any chapter in the series. That said, he watched this one first. Ouch. Uh, it involves a woman being forced to join evil cult of man hating de- she demons. Their henchman is named Ricky, but it's definitely not the Ricky from the last three films. He is well acted by Clint Howard, but a very boring character. All the acting here is horrid, except for Clint's, of course. And the story is confusing, boring, sexist, and just plain bad. True, the first one in the series was bad, but in a good, fun sort of way. The movie just this movie just sucks. The special effects are good, but that and Clint are not are the only things that are. This movie has very little to do with Christmas and nothing to do with the first three films. Saturday Night, Deadly Night, Parts 2, 3, and 5 are all five-star movies. The original is only a three-star movie, and this is a no-star movie. I only gave one star because I had to. Please avoid Saturday Night, Deadly Night 4, Initiation, like the plague. It is very, very bad. One star. All right, last two I'm going to read real quick. From Mr. Movie Man, waste the money, waste the film, just plain bad. I don't really enjoy any of the Saturday Night, Deadly Night movies, especially this one. It has nothing to do with the original movie or Christmas. Was this some sort of joke? Did they make it just for a laugh? It sure looks like it. Oh, man, I'd buy a copy of this movie just to tape over it. Freaky, satanic, cult, confusing plot, not to mention boring. Please take this one off the shelf and pretend it was never made. I was very disappointed in this movie. I should have just stepped, stopped after part one, one star. Now, this last one is from a guy I believe we've seen him a few times on the show before as a reviewer. Sid the Elf. I know I've oh, said yeah. his name several times before. His is written a little funny because it's written as if we're supposed to know who this guy is. Like some random person is going to know who he is off just automatically. 
So when it comes to the Christmas season, we feel it necessary to sprinkle in some bee relating to our favorite holiday. Since it's our roots, we always like to bring at least one horror into play. Last year, we went with the extremely laughable Christmas Evil and decided this year to go with one of Silent Night, Deadly Night flicks. The reason for choosing the fourth installment was simple. Clint Howard! With that name tagged to a movie, there really is no other choice besides moving forward. Unfortunately, this mess couldn't capitalize off a very insane homeless Howard, leaving it a one-star at best. Well, one star. So, I just read that because I... I, this guy's like, are we supposed to know who the fuck he is or who we are or what they do? Like, don't write shit like that in your review because nobody fucking knows you. Get get over yourself. Like, come on. Just write a goddamn review. But anyway, he that's, that's what other people had to say. Let's move on. <laughs> All right. Who wins? I, I think we know who's winning this combat this, this week. But uh, Aaron, that's, what's your final takes on this? Yeah, I think it's pretty much so bad it's scary. Um... I I at least appreciated Silent Night, Deadly Night 3, which I also said was so bad and scary, because at least they kept a character and tried to keep some continuity going, no matter how like bizarre and twisted and stupid it really was. Um, but this one had no connection whatsoever to the previous three in any way, shape, or form, other than they just they literally just threw in Christmas just as a backdrop. It doesn't have anything to do with it at all. Um, I didn't like, um, Clint Howard. I think he was wasted. I think he did well for what he had, but I mean, he, he seemed pretty wasted. He also had Reggie Bannister and he was also, I didn't even know who he fucking was. So he was wasted. Um, yeah, I'm just really disappointed. It, I noticed right off the bat in the credits, how it was presented, you know, they, they're doing the opening produced by directed by, and then it, it shows, you know, the, and it presents and then it shows the title and I'm expecting to see Silent Night, Deadly Night 4, but it says, you know, um, in what was initiation. it? In, initiation, Silent Night, Deadly Night 4. I'm like, oh, no, this was a whole different movie that was being written first. It was a whole movie being written outside the whole scope of Silent Night, Deadly Night and anything to do with Christmas. It was about this weird cult, and they're going to do this, and the weird, the weird space bugs. But they're like, okay, well, that's not going to sell. And so hold on. Let's throw in a little bit of Christmas. I bet we can get the rights to Silent Night, Deadly Night 4. They'll be like, yeah, sure, do whatever you want. Slap it on a VHS copy, put it direct to video. We're good to go. People are going to buy it just because it says Silent Night, Deadly Night 4, even though it's a completely different story. Fuck that shit. That pisses me off. It makes me so angry that they do that kind of crap. Fuck them and their stupid holiday faces. Well, 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 well. Um, yeah, I, I can't really argue anything you said, man. I, you, you, I agree hundred percent. Again, same. I'm going to relate it back to Halloween three. I, I, it's the same thing. Season which, like, if this movie is just called Initiation and not part of the series. It'd still be a bad movie, but it wouldn't be as disappointing as bad because people you don't have the expectations that it is going to be a Christmas slasher like the other ones. Agreed. And that's the same thing happened with Season of the Witch. You know, you expect to see Michael Myers and Howie movie, and you get hit with that crap. It's like a slap to the fans. Uh, so yeah, I agree with you 100 percent on that, and the people who, who also who wrote that about that. Um, this movie is. 
it's just fucking weird, man. It's it's bonkers. It's it's, it's bananas. It's ludicrous. It's insane. It's it makes no sense. It's it's so weird. Um, you don't really know what's happening or why it's happening. Like I don't know why like why bugs are are the thing in this. I don't know why the bugs are so fucking big. Uh, I don't know why they're living. I, I, I you don't understand anything about this and why I don't I, I don't know why a cult a coven or cult of man hating witches I guess have um like have Ricky if they hate men so much like why, why do we even want him around like they just have why not have a homeless girl you know like it should be a girl doing that not. A guy, it doesn't make sense. I don't know, but it's so. I'm torn because yes, it's, this is a terrible movie. It, it's fucking garbage, but it's so far out there, like with the the insanity that is happening in this movie that it almost like I cannot do it justice. You have to visually just see the shit that's going down to like fully grasp the the the, the span of the, the of its insanity like, of its craziness. But I don't, like, I say watch at your own risk. It, it's, it's, there's a lot of boring parts. I'm still saying so bad it's scary. Thank you. But it's, if you want to try watching, just fast forward through it. Watch the crazy parts and be done with it. It's free on Tubi. So it's not going to cost you anything, but it's probably so not worth it. Uh, so bad it's scary, which is really disappointing. I, I, I was hoping we finally get another good Saturday Night Deadly Night movie, even though we haven't, the last Really, since the first one, none, I, in my opinion, none of them have been really been that fun. Two, I thought was terrible. Uh, and How it dare you? Number two is a goddamn gem. Number two, in reality, is only about 30 minutes long because the other hour is just the entire retelling of the first movie. It, it's Don't the lamest filmmaking. Love it. Love it. It's bad. And then three we did last year, We that's terrible as well. I didn't think we could get worse than three. Three was so bad. But at the same time, at least it was somehow connected to the first two. This one doesn't, and it makes it even worse. Uh, God help us when we get to next Christmas and we have to do number five, because who knows what we're fucking in for there. Um, so bad, scary. Fuck it. I'm done. Let's wrap this shit up. We're done with the 2020 now. Let's just move on to next year. <laughs> okay, so, so you mentioned we're done with the 2020. I'm kind of curious. I just got a few questions to ask you. Um, uh, I always love the best of the year kind of things that news shows do or talk TV shows Man, if do. We, like, if we wanted to do a best of, we should, I wish we would talk me ahead of time. I'm not prepared for that. We could, well, we could I'm do some, a real thing you, with that, not just off the you're not, cuff. And, you're not, you're not married to any of these decisions, but I'm just going to say, what was your number? What was your favorite movie you watched all year? It doesn't have to be something new from 2020, but just something you watched this year, like holy shit, that was fun. That was a fun surprise. Doesn't have to be horror, horrible horror. Can be anything. Oh, uh, could be movie? anything. Okay, yeah, uh, it could be anything. Sh- that makes it even harder. I fuck. I don't know, man. I wasn't prepared for this. Um, uh, God damn, I I don't know. I really don't know off the top of my head. There's I got mine. So I mean, let, me, let me do mine. Let me do mine, and then we'll see. Give you time to think. For me, I've never seen the movie Wreck It Ralph. Holy shit, I love Wreck-It Ralph. Wreck-It Ralph's good. That was that was my movie for 2020. I saw Wreck-It Ralph uh, right when my baby daughter was born. I was like, let me start watching Disney stuff. I heard about Wreck-It Ralph. And I watched it. I'm like, this is amazing. I love this movie. So Wreck-It Ralph was my top movie of 2020. 
Um, my top, I guess, new artist that I listened to, not necessarily album or song, but somebody that I liked, was this guy named Smooth McGroove, who does acapella to video game songs, which is hilarious when he does, like, you know, acapella to Super Mario Brothers, does acapella to Mega Man, does acapella to Castlevania. And then he has a few albums where DJs come in and, like, spin it, make it more funky. A lot of fun. So check out Smooth McGroove. Um, my favorite series from 2020, hands down, has got to be Mandalorian. The Mandalorian season two, holy shit, that kicked me in the balls. was so amazing. Absolutely loved it. And I guess my favorite moment of 2020, uh, the end of it. New so. Year's Eve 2020. Yeah. <laughs> 11:59 on on 2020 <laughs> New Year's Eve will be my favorite favorite moment. So do you have a do you have a movie that you can think of? No, I there's so much that like I can't. And I don't want to pick something recent because that's the easy cop out. Because like the, the most recent things because those are most fresh in my mind. But there's gotta be stuff you know. Like, I watched back like let's say April or May that I was like, oh that's great. But uh, I don't know. Like uh, I guess I, I will say this for. The highlight, I guess, one of the big things of 2020, for anybody who doesn't know by now, because I never really announced it, because I had plans to announce everything, but then fucking pandemic hit and ruined everything. But uh, I got married in 2020, so that happened. Uh, I was gonna, like, I was gonna, I was waiting for the right time to, to talk about it on the show, and because I was gonna, like, well, we're gonna take a break for all this what happened, but shit never happened. Um, but I did get married, so that 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 was a big thing, obviously. Um, but as far as like best of, I, I really don't know. Uh, but I am intrigued by this idea, and I think we should do a maybe do a best of uh, maybe next week or something like that. We could give us time to come up with like a really plan that out and do an episode on the best of, and uh, maybe we get some guests on and kind of talk about some stuff. That could be a fun thing to do. Uh, yeah, I, like I just idea. love how you're unable to think on your feet. You're great at planning, bad at thinking on your feet. Well, I, yeah, the Mandalorian is awesome. I will say that I agree with you. That is one of my favorite. That's been probably one of my favorite series this year. Uh, absolutely loved it. Um, but there's so much like the boys on Amazon. I really enjoyed that. That was good. Um, but I don't know. There's just so there's a lot. I like the Harley Quinn animated show on uh, DC uh, on the DC Universe app. I, I love that show. That show cracked me up. But there's so much other stuff to go about. So. But that's all non-horror stuff. I mean, that's not horror-related. So I, at this point, I'm ranting on. I don't think Amy cares. It's Amy's still listening right now. I'm sorry because I don't know what to say, and I'm probably boring you out of your mind. You're probably sound like a fucking idiot. So I'm gonna move on. We'll just move on and end the show. Uh, and Aaron's giving me this bored look anyway. So <laughs> no, yeah, let's let's wrap it up. So um, yeah. Well, so anyway, that's it for 2020, guys. Next time we're back, it will be 2021. So I hope everybody out there had a good holiday, the best holidays you can. Enjoy New Year's as best you can and safely as you can. Uh, and we look forward to seeing you guys back in 2021 for who, um, another year of more shit movies and crap. So in the meantime, guys, you know what to do. Watch more horror movies. And remember to always keep it tight. <laughs>